welcome back to Faithless Brewing. My name is Zach Manasville Ryle, joining you from a chilly Oakville, Ontario. And joining me from the capital of the world, as far as many people are concerned, right now is my man from the uh, South American continent, Emmy Sagasti. Mord, how are you and how is the country doing? I'm going to give uh, one second ear warning to everybody listening. Good. Now we can go on after that. No, it's great. Everything is great. Just yeah. here. The festivities going on outside. I was. I warned everybody. How's the McDonald's in the town square? Oh, the McDonald's del Obelisco is about. I, I, I'm gonna guess it's closed, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna have to look eventually. <laughs> they, the clo- they always close. They tend to close it now. They just know. But, but sometimes people break their windows and break in regardless. Like it's, it has become such a meme. That that McDonald's tends to just die regardless of consequences. Yeah. Well, for those who missed it, uh, Mord's country took down the FIFA World Cup, and it's a a hot town in the big city tonight, or whatever. Um, But we're not... (laughs) (laughs) But the riotous streets are not the only thing we have going for us. We also have the return, as usual, of the CEO of the Faithless Brewing Podcast. It's Dan Schriever. Dan, you caught all the hot action. How was it? Oh my gosh, what a match. Congratulations, Mord. Congratulations to Los Potreros. Potreros, did I get that right? <laughs> El Potrero. El Potrero. Oh, sorry, it's the way of life. It's the way of life. <laughs> I was talking to Pedro de Almeida, one of the members, one of our patrons, a good friend of mine. And he was like, I think it was at the minute mark, like when we were, when Argentina was like 2-0, the game was super easy. He was like, it's all easy. We're going to win this game super easy, like after the first penalty. And immediately two minutes later, Caralho, because he's Brazilian. (laughs) 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 Just don't foretold. Well, we've got an interesting docket ahead of us. Uh, We're going to be talking about our brew ideas with the scrapwork Mutt. And uh, we're going to be going over some of the exciting uh, deck developments and uh, things that are going on in the modern and pioneer format. But before we get to any of those things, we, of course, want to thank every single one of our Patreons on Patreon. Our our patrons on Patreon. Did we ever settle that? I don't know. But if you want to support the podcast and what we do, you can head over to patreon.com slash faithless brewing, where you can pledge for as low as a dollar a month, which I believe is less than the price of a cup of coffee a day. Um, you Likely, can. yeah. I mean, of course it is. I mean, <laughs> it's not worth it. Three cents. That's the same coffee at three cents. <laughs> I, I thought for a second, I was like, yeah, that sounds right. No, that's it. <laughs> and then you can uh, pay for the insane ranting and raving that results when Dan makes the uh, very unlucky choice of having me and Emmy on the same episode. Uh, Dan, what else do they get with their subscription? Every time you say that, Zach, I'm thinking of like, for just seven cents a day, you can yeah. sponsor a faithless player right. around the world. You can sponsor a bad card <laughs> Buy them to have us play it to an 05. To them. Exactly, exactly. For every three cents a day, you can sponsor an 05 with a crappy brew. Let me tell you, bad cards need love too, all right? I think you said the main things. Of course, Discord is just a, it's a wonderful community we have there. 
One of the things that we've been doing for the last few months is we've got a monthly project in which our listeners get to nominate cards, they get to vote for cards, and then we spend a series of weeks on them. We just wrapped up a round of voting. I think, Zach, you and I went over the results last week. Surprise winner was Rivaz of the Claw. So we're spending a month on the Dragon Tribe, and we've got some ideas whipped up. We've been following very closely the discussion in our Discord. Cool to see a bunch of people already jamming leagues with sweet Rivaz brews, and we're going to take a look at some of them in our next episode coming out on Friday. Very excited to get to that. But for now, let's get to our Brothers War card to brew with. It's the Scrapwork Mutt. And this little uh, dog friendo, I, I was around some dogs this morning, and uh, you know what? I've got a new appreciation for the Scrapwork Mutt and all the exciting dog things we can get into with it. And as, as an aside, I recently played with Combat Courier, and I was really impressed by that card. Uh, I know that that hasn't made as many splashes, because the Scrapwork Mutt does a much more powerful thing uh, than drawing a card. Uh, we've been over this multiple times on the podcast. It's uh, drawing and then discarding a card. Dan, you want to take us into this? <laughs> I thought you were calling on me to explain why discarding and drawing is more powerful oh, than drawing. it needs no explanation. I mean, if people... Now, listen, all of you people out there who are listening to Faithless Brewing, if this is your first episode, uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw down the gate. We're keeping you out. You got to go all the way back. You got to listen from the beginning of this show and get all the jokes, all the in-jokes and all the references by going through. We've explained many times that discarding a card is a very powerful fact, but in a short form, if you'd prefer me nothing, to do it. Uh, nothing is strictly better than well, Ancestral Regal. That's it, important. It, you know what? In many cases, it is. Uh, there's lots of cards that you want in your graveyard. There's lots of powerful ways to cheat once a card is in the graveyard. So Scrapwork Mutt is going to help us enable some of those things. It's half the price of Teferi Master of Time. What's <laughs> <laughs> not to like? That comparison has to be the most nonsense comparison. Out no, of I've got some things to say about Sark and Fireblood <laughs> like, on the next episode. But can we read the card, please, for the love of like, God? Can we, can we imagine saying the phrase, Skyward Mar is half the price of Teferi? We're talking about a colorless artifact, Coirichur. All right, well, since I'm adamant about it, we're talking about the Scrapwork Mutt. This is a two-mana artifact creature dog. When Scrapwork Mutt enters the battlefield, you may discard a card. If you do, draw a card. It's a 2-1, and it has Unearth for one and a red. Uh, rules notes on that, Unearthing is not casting the card. This is an activated ability that you play from the graveyard. And uh, what it does is it gives you that card back into play and you will exile it at the beginning of the next end step, or if it would leave the battlefield. Unearth only as a sorcery, and that card does gain haste until end of turn. Um, so one of the interesting things is if you take an unearthed card and you exile it by other means, uh, slay an ephemerate, it'll come back, and it won't remember that it had uh, to be exiled specifically for unearthed, so it will get to stick around. Yeah, there's an enchantment from Brawler does exactly that. In order to work around an Earth, it not only bounces a creature to your hand, but if it was an Earth, or it has an Earth, it exiles it first and then returns it to your hand. Interesting. And then, of course, there's a teleportation circle, which I know David loves brewing around. Yeah. Yeah, that actually works quite nicely. One thing that does come up occasionally is that the opponent is allowed to respond to an Earth 
So if they have like an unlicensed Hurston play or something and you commit your mana to the unearth effect, they can just respond and take out your graveyard. You won't get the effect. That's not unique to the Mutts, of course, that applies to whatever else. Combat Couriers, Phyrexian Dragon Engines, Rotting Rats in my case. Uh, cityscape Levelers, thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> the other little detail of the Mutt is that it says you may discard first, and then if you do discard, then you draw a card. But if you do this when you're empty-handed, you are not able to discard, you won't draw a card. It's not templated in the forgiving way like some of the other rummagers in the past. So this will never be card advantage per se. It's just a nice little card filtering if you want it. Again, it's optional. It's zero card advantage if you mill it and then unearth it, right? I mean, as anything with unearth is, right? Yeah. But what we were really talking about before is we want to use this as a card uh, where we can get things into our graveyard that we want in our graveyard, um, because that is a valuable thing to do. It's also a discard outlet, and it's also an artifact creature. So we're going to have builds that uh, kind of touch on all of these different aspects. Yeah, I mean, what I like about this card conceptually is there's like a reanimator space. Excuse me, that's not how you pronounce that word. <laughs> <laughs> there's like a reanimator space. Synthesizer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where you're often trying to get things into your hand and then put them into the graveyard, right? So you need a lot of discard outlets for that. On a similar but separate axis, there's a self-mill space where you think of a deck like Dredge or whatever, Crabvine in my case, where you're just trying to go directly from your library into the graveyard. These two th should work together. Like if I'm playing a deck that's trying to use my graveyard, I should be able to take advantage of both axes. And yet it's hard to find cards that like actually actively unite them. Scrapwork mod is kind of unique in that sense. Let's say that I am going to put stuff into my graveyard via self-mill, for example. Eventually, I would like to mill discard outlets so that if I do happen to draw something in my hand that's not supposed to be in my hand, that's supposed to go in the graveyard, I want like a nice cheap way to do that. I imagine that's why Anthony Menino originally put Rotting Rats into his Crabvine deck. You're doing a lot of self-mill, and occasionally you need to get something out of your hand and into the graveyard where it belongs. That was exactly his argument for the rats. And Anthony laughs with that rat. So this is like a color shift of Rotting Rats. Yeah. His argument for it being the best card in modern is still, uh, it's, in, it's in the courts. It's in litigation at the moment. <laughs> so we have in Scrapwork Mutt essentially a color-shifted Rotting Rats, although it's somewhat more forgiving, right? You can just cast it for colorless. The Unearth is going to be red. Obviously, we are going to be trying to take advantage of that. So we'll be in red decks now. And this opens up totally different configurations of decks. And uh, this first one highlights another card that I have a great love for. I believe Dan is, does as well, which kind of exists in a very similar space, which is Voldaren Epicure. Um, both of these are, are they, they look very unremarkable, but both of these cards have been surprisingly great to play with in my experience. Yeah, so let's just jump right into these decks. Uh, David has prepared, looks like four Pioneer Brews. And after we look at these, we can also take a brief glance at Modern, where the Mutt has already made some impressive debuts mm -hmm. surprising i have seen it more of in modern than in pioneer yeah it's actually currently a better card in modern than in pioneer and whenever that's the case maybe we're overlooking this card in pioneer yeah so this first brew uh, as i alluded to earlier we're jumping right in with voldaren epicure plus uh scrapwork mutt and if we want to be competitive there seems to be only one way to go it's playing a black red mid-range deck um so this is a little bit more aggressive than the stock black red midrange because it's playing four copies of Shrapnel Blast 
and some other exciting cards. So we've got uh, a Strangle, three Fatal Push, four Shrapnel Blast, and two Scrap Heap Scroungers. We've got four Blood Tithe Harvesters, four Voldaren Epicures, four of our Scrapwork Mutt, four Fable of the Mirror Breaker, four Falconrath Gorger, four Fiery Temper, two Asylum Visitors, and a Stromkrick Occultist. So um, we've got a bit of a madness theme going on here with Falconrath Gorger, Fiery Temper, Asylum Visitor, and Stromkrick Occultist. For those who don't know, that's three in red for a 3-2... Vampire Horror with Trample. Whenever it deals combat damage to a player, exile the top card of your library until end of turn you may play that card. So an interesting little hodgepodge of like creatures that generate card advantage there. And just lots of different ways to take care, take advantage of our discard outlets. Uh, Fable of the Mirror Breaker, of course, creating artifacts and giving discard outlets. Like th- This is one of the best cards in Pioneer and slots into this deck beautifully. So we didn't really talk about the fact that Scrapwork Mutt is an artifact very much yet, but now with Scrapwork Mutt, we have a bunch of cards that are artifacts and work with discarding or rummaging. The Blood Mechanic from Crimson Vow obviously um, had a huge impact in Pioneer, so here we see both the Blood Tithe Harvester and the Epicures. Eight ways to make blood, plus the Scrapwork Mutt, so now we have 12 discard outlets that also happen to be low-value artifacts. So David is trying to use all parts of the buffalo, essentially. He's trying to say, okay, I have enough discard outlets for my menace package, and I have enough crappy artifacts for this Shrapnel Blast package. So he's actually playing Shrapnel Blast and Fiery Temper, two of the powerful yet forgotten burn spells in Pioneer. Also, you have, like, so considering all the treasures, you have you have the Bloods, the, the Scrunchers, the Mat, and the treasure tokens from Fable. And that's only at first sight. I don't think I've ever seen a Madness deck or a deck with a madness theme in it constructed without uh too many bad cards Uh, i'm really pleasantly surprised to look at this construction and go like wow there's nothing where i'm like we're playing this this sucks the gorcher is the only one i feel that way true um but it does give madness to a harvester and epicure which is bad but not rebel yeah I would imagine with, let's see, 16, 23 lands uh, and the curve that's this low, you could play something that's got more raw, raw power than Falconrath Gorger. Uh, later on lists, uh, multiple of them uh, jump into the territory of having Phyrexian Dragon Engine. Um, so that's an option for this deck that would fit probably reasonably well. Yeah, I encourage David to like come up with some recursive threat that he's happy with because you have so much discard here and not that much currently that uses the graveyard. So I think right now it's just the two scrap heap scroungers. I think there's room for more, right? Whether it's Phyrexian Dragon Engine, maybe you add a couple of Croxas, just something. I like Razor Lash Transmogrant as well, just one copy, something like that. Yeah, the Razor Lash has been pretty impressive. I think the answer is quite simple. Where is Croxa? Oh, there you go. Um, yeah. One or two Croxas is likely like the perfect piece. Yeah, definitely, because it doesn't look like there's anything that actually uses the graveyard as a resource at all. Uh, so probably should be taking. Well, the Scrap Heap Scroungers and the Scrapwork Mutts, and those are both important because they provide Shrapnel Blast from the graveyard, Shrapnel Blast fodder. But then you can replace Scrounger for the other one that doesn't require a creature in the graveyard, so you don't have to use the graveyard as a which feed it. That was the Razor Lash, the new right? one. What, the Razor Lash? Yeah. That one. Yeah. So there's a few different things. Yeah, there's a few different tweaks. And I think that at this point, it's just a matter of playtesting it and finding out where the weak points are. I would not be shocked yeah. to find out that Falconrath Gorger is 
uh, as underwhelming as it's always been. So Fable works super well with madness, though, because mm-hmm. it allows you to for one of the few cards that allows you to be a good card on its own and also have mana open the turn you discard. Yeah, like you don't so you can like discard double fairy temper and cast it while still doing something else with your turn, and that's insane. Yeah, and still having two spare mana. Yeah, cantripping lightning bolt is uh, quite a feeling. So if you haven't done it yet, uh, give it a shot. All right, so that is a Rakdos Blood Agro, Blood Madness. But if we're going to journey into a more speculative world, we've got a deck here that's actually playing uh, the card that I just mentioned earlier, Combat Courier. So I was really impressed by this in a couple different lists that I was playing. You um, love Courier. I do. Uh, it's not only adorable, but it's an artifact creature. Mm. It's adorable. It's uh, it's some quality card advantage. So we've got Blue Red Courier. You want to take us through the initial impression of this deck, Dan? Okay, this deck is a little crazy. So definitely check out our webpage, faithisbrewing.com, where you can actually find the deck list links. There's a lot of cards here you probably have not seen in play. But we'll start with the important one, Renowned Weaponsmith, one in a blue for a 1-3. Taps for two mana, which you can put towards casting artifact or activating artifact ability. So this can cast your Scrapwork Mutt. It can also unearth your Scrapwork Mutt. It can unearth... Well, it can't unearth the Combat Courier, but it can pay the cost to sack the Combat Courier. Um, So with four Renowned Weaponsmith, we are looking for a bunch of artifacts that we can sink mana into. Scrapwork Mutt, four copies. Combat Courier, four copies. Hangerback Walker, four copies. So this is a a big chunk of our artifact payoffs, quote-unquote. Now, notice that all of these cards are happy to die. For that reason, we, we can play Reckless Rage. Uh, much like how the previous deck used Shrapnel Blast because we have disposable artifacts, David is here saying, okay, let, let's try Reckless Rage. It's cheap. It kills most of the things we need to kill in Pioneer. And it only costs one red. Now, you need to have something to actually win the game. Nothing I've described yet is actually capable of doing that. So let's go higher on the curve. Again, we want artifact payoff so that Renowned Weaponsmith can ramp into them. The card that David has settled on is Forsaken Monument. It's five mana, grants a bunch of abilities to your colorless stuff. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong here, but plus two, plus two to all of your colorless creatures. Is that correct? Uh, And when you cast a colorless spell, you gain two life. And uh, whenever you tap a permanent for colorless mana, you get an extra colorless mana. Okay, so you can see how that turns a single combat career into suddenly it's an unearthed as a 3-3 attacker, a scrapwork now attacking for 4. But that's not all. He's also got Myriad Construct, a forgotten card from, what is it, Zendikar or something like this? Zendikar Rising, It's yeah. a 4 mana 4-4. Yeah. Four, four. I hadn't seen it. Like We had talked a lot about this card. I completely, ha- I, I completely erased it from my memory, and I had to look at it again. Yeah, me as well. So Myriad Construct, 4 mana 4-4 four, four from Zendikar, artifact creature construct. Kicker for three mana, and it waits when if it was kicked, it enters a battlefield with plus one plus one counters on it for each non-basic land your opponent controls. So assuming they have two or three non-basic lands, you can pay seven mana to make it a six-six or seven-seven, or in the really long game, really big. And the second line of text, which is the most relevant one, when it becomes the target of a spell, you sacrifice it and create a number of one ones equal to its power. So if you have a mirror construct and you reckless raise it. In order to make it to hit it for two damage, you will get at least four one ones that then get pumped into three threes with your Forsaken Monument. 
Yeah, so now the reckless rage starts to make a little more sense, right? Like, it's it's not just a cheaper shrapnel blast. It actually specifically turns on the Myriad Construct in a way that's kind of exciting, right? Like, Myriad Construct is like a hanging back walker that you don't have to wait for them to kill it. You just kill it whenever you want. We have a few flex slots left, and that gives us a few more payoffs, notably Sahili Filigree Master, whose ultimate, I believe? Pumps your artifact creatures. She can also create two hasted thopters, or she can draw a card and scry at the same time. Very handy abilities for a four mana walker if you're already in an artifacts deck with a ramp component, which this deck is. I really like that Blinks Walker. I, I should try to play a deck list where I can play that in turn three. I really want to feed that into somewhere. Yeah, I was recently playing an Antiquities War list, and I think. I had Sahili in one of the lists, and I just didn't actually end up trying her. But every time I look at her, it's like, oh, this is this is pretty good. And the fact that the, the turn you play it, she ticks up to four while drawing you a card, and the next turn can become this anthem that makes your artifacts cost cheaper. There's quite a number of playable one-mana artifacts. Well, playable might be a, a, a loose word for it, but there are some playable one-mana artifacts that in a Sahili deck might be really great in Pioneer that suddenly become cost of zero. So it's all quite an exciting uh, uh, brewing space for me. And though I haven't really hit any even mildly successful brew with it yet, I just I just keep coming back to it. Yeah, the scry one, draw one is super powerful if you have artifacts to commit to it. And with Scrapwork Mutt and Combat Courier, you now have a bunch of options for this. Oh, it's scry one, draw one? Yeah, that's even better. I was sure it was if you do instead draw a card. Like I was just throwing the card nope. I had in front of me and I was sure you were just throwing. Well, that's even better. So there's a few cards here that are just one ofs in the deck. And I think David has just put these here to remind us that they exist because they synergize in some way with what the deck is trying to do. So I'll mention Eldrazi Sky Spawner. Ramps beautifully to the Forsaken Monument. Not an artifact, but it does everything else the deck is looking to do. Sky Sovereign. One copy there, we've seen how powerful that can be in Pioneer. Celestis, Moonsnare Prototype, Springleaf Drum, and a couple Strangles just because most likely we'll need a little more removal. <laughs> He's even got a Chief Engineer hiding out in the decklist right now just to remind us that there are some offbeat ways to ramp when you're in the artifact space. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Springleaf Drum and Moonsnare Prototype myself. So, um, And those cards, depending on I your build... I think like more than one. Yeah, well, I, I, and again, he, he put in one each of Springleaf Drum, Moonsnare Prototype, the Celestis, Eldrazi Sky Spawner, and Sky Sovereign. And all of these are different kind of like, if you want the deck to be a little bit more in this direction, you could play this kind of card, I guess. Yeah. Um, Replace these five for a playset plus one of any of one drop that rams, three drop that rams, or five drop that punish. Right. And there's also a Chief Engineer. And one of the things I would recommend, too, is that if Renowned Weaponsmith ends up being... Um, just a liability in terms of being too much of a target there's probably uh, like some of these other cards can be a better option like moon scenario prototype as long as you have uh other artifacts ticking around then it's always going to be able to produce mana for you i suspect that if renowned weaponsmith is not good then this deck is not worth playing i think it's the best card in the deck and then you have the scrapwork mutts and the combat couriers are also just the necessary glue because we haven't mentioned any card draw effects we haven't talked about there's no reverse engineers there's no paradoxal outcome there's no treasure crews uh -huh. right you actually need these combat careers and mutts to make the deck happen make it flow put everything together 
But yeah, interesting deck for sure. I have no idea how this will play, but that's what we're here to test. Mm -hmm. Our third deck list from David, sticking with Is It Colors, this is a more familiar strategy. Is it Riel the Everwise? Riel the Everwise, we know her, we love her. She's star three legend for one blue-red. Has power equal to the number of instants and sorceries in your graveyard. But more interestingly, she says that whenever you discard anything for the first time each turn, you also get to draw that many cards. So an effect like Scrapwork Mutt, instead of being discard one, draw one, it becomes discard one, draw one, then draw another one. Insane card advantage. And we've been playing around with real decks forever, hmm. making little upgrades. We figured out that Ledger Shredder and Fable the Mirror Breaker both do what Riel wants, so why not just put them all on the same team and see what happens? Sensor turns out to be a very good card for this archetype because uh, you don't even have to cast it. You can just do it even on your opponent's turn, so you can trigger Riel twice on your turn and on their turn. You fill the deck with, you know, blue cantrips, ops, considers. So there's Fiery Impulse here for removal. You need to win somehow. Crackling Drake is here in that role, four copies. And we have two Scrapwork Mutts. One is a Charm, one Fiery Temper, one Treasure Cruise. I've been disappointed by these decks before, and I don't feel like Scrapwork Mutt is the thing that is going to make me not disappointed again. But it's entirely possible. Um, playing less than three or four Treasure Cruises in this kind of deck list seems completely insane to me. Uh, but I understand that we're trying to go in a different direction with it. So, um, and I'm a big fan of Crackling Drake. Huge Crackling Drake fan. Yeah, but I still think you want more than one, more than one Treasure Cruise. Especially because you're not using your graveyard for literally anything, right? Like besides math? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. One Treasure's Cruise is like a post-cyborg configuration, but main deck you should play more, in my opinion. Yeah, my, my starting point would probably be three, and that's if you don't want to play four for whatever reason. So this could just be more of a reminder that, okay, this strategy exists and Scrapwork Mug gives you more access to an effect that we want, namely the, the rummaging. But I do recall the last time I tried this, it was the Riel herself was kind of the problem. You know, she's not strong enough on her own to like mount a comeback and filling your deck with cards that synergize with Riel tends to put you behind. So I, I don't know if Mutt moves the needle on this. I think I'm with you, Zach, on this. I'm, I'm not convinced that this is the best home for seeing what Mutt brings to the table. Yeah, it's just Riel the Everwise is just like the worst of every world for the Pioneer format. It just dies to everything and doesn't do anything for three mana. Um, so when you do get to untap with it in those miracle scenarios, it's very powerful. But they just don't come up, and there's no real way to take advantage of it. Like uh, we, we we detailed before, how Riel and Fable look like they should be really good together, but they're kind of not. Um, and the Fable is kind of doing everything you want her to be doing, but better. But I like this fourth list a lot better. Yeah, this was actually um, I deleted all the terrible scratchings and scrumblings of a madman that I had written um, because when we were talking about. Uh, uh, Scrapbook Vermont Brewing uh, last week. This is almost exactly the the list that I started with, except with uh, better cards in it uh, and more well worked <laughs> out by David, who knows the format better. Just an upgrade. Yeah, basically, because what I thought was, you know, Scrapwork Mutt lets you throw things in the graveyard. It's red, uh, white cards, uh, artifact. Oh, right. God Pharaoh statue and Portal to Phyrexia are both 
legal in this format, and so is Refurbish. So for those who are not aware of the standard uh, Godfaro's stat or Godfaro's gift decks, Godfaro's gift is not in this deck. It's just Godfaro's statue. But Godfaro's gift uh, used the card Refurbish three and a white sorcery return target artifact from your graveyard to the battlefield. Uh, so kind of zombifying a big powerful artifact. And in this deck list, uh, he has opted for only the portal to Phyrexia's. Um, and no God Pharaoh's gift, but there are uh, also. I feel a, like that's a typo. You think so? Probably. Probably. <laughs> hmm? Like, why would you play the statue instead of the God Pharaoh's statue instead of God Pharaoh's gifts? Yeah, it seems insane, especially when this deck doesn't have any. Um, it's weird. Let's just call it a typo. <laughs> yeah, let's call it a typo because this deck doesn't have Isn't any ways have to tutor so many for creatures. it. And you have so many creatures as well. Right, and this deck doesn't have any way to tutor for a one of God Pharaoh statue, so that would just be yeah. bad in all cases. But what David realized is there's also Rafine's Informant. So Rafine's Informant and Scrapwork Mutt give us a rule of eight on two mana cards that uh, lets you draw a card and let you discard uh, a payoff. And uh, then we also have Recommission in this deck. So Recommission for one and a white is a card from Brothers War that I was pretty excited about as well. It returns uh, an artifact or creature with converted mana cost three or less from the graveyard to the battlefield. And if it's a creature, you put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Um, that will not let you return something huge like Portal to Phyrexia or God Pharaoh's Gift, but it will let you bring back uh, Phyrexian Dragon Engine, uh, as people had been doing occasionally with Unearth in the modern format. Um, the Dragon Engine will then, of course, trigger. It'll also be a 3-3 double strike. So uh, this deck also gets to play Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Uh, portable hole for removal and potentially can play ingenious smith as a way to tutor your big payoffs and your small enablers into your hand although at the moment this deck list looks a little bit light on artifact count for the smith if i'm not mistaken there's i counted 20 artifacts but three of those are dark steel citadels okay and you really want that number to be closer to 24 in my opinion uh and in math's opinion so uh smith might not be the right fit for this deck but um but he's thinking and i like that yeah the basic idea let's reanimate some artifacts um and you have scrap work mod to provide the, the rummaging effect so now that you're in that discard and <laughs> use artifact space like sure why not stretch it and see if smith works yeah the numbers might not be there on that i do however like the secondary angle of the, the recommission of phyrexian dragon engine mm -hmm. I think you just need a few more payoffs as well. Only three great payoffs and one mediocre one. It's not enough to consistently refurbish something useful. Yeah, I, my my initial thought would be a build that had like four of God Pharaoh's gift and two Portal to Phyrexia, or you switch those yeah, back I was thinking and forth, like three, depending two. on which one's better in the format. Um, God Pharaoh's gift, for those yeah. who are unaware of it, uh, it lets you, um, what is it, eternalize any creature in your graveyard at the beginning of combat and it gains haste until end of turn so you get a 4-4 black zombie version of any creature in your graveyard uh, that works with scrapyard mutts enter the battlefield trigger that works with Rafine's informants enter the battlefield trigger uh, it won't work with Phyrexian dragon engines enter the battlefield trigger because it actually makes a copy so it's not entering from the graveyard in that case the graveyard. Uh, but it is a 4-4 double strike with haste ah <sighs> Okay. Well, uh, Dan, you're just going to have to settle, settle with winning the game. So, I, I don't... <laughs> but... <laughs> what? Is that a problem for you? Or are we... Can we, you know? 
I mean, if I end the game, I don't get to draw any more cards. I, I agree. Can you imagine winning when you could be drawing? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't really know what to tell you, but... Uh... So do you think that replacing the Ingenious Smiths with just more copies of the big payoffs, would that satisfy what you guys are talking about? I'm not sure. Uh, I just know that there's a lot of options for this deck list. Uh, we talked about uh, Voldaren Epicure before. So if you need more discard outlets that are cheap and uh, efficient, then you have those. This deck is playing for Fable the Mirror Breaker. It's very light on removal at the moment. Although if the card you chose as your payoff was Portal to Phyrexia, that's like 90% of a board wipe in a lot of games. So uh, at the moment, the most restricted space is the refurbishes, right? Um, now, there is the white uh, invoke. Oh, does that get back artifacts? Invoke justice? It does do. The five mana as, one. Yeah. yeah artifacts justice. or creatures with four counters. Yeah. Um, huh. Okay. Yeah. Return target permanent card from your graveyard to the battlefield, then distribute four plus one plus one counters among them. Um, there's also from the standard God Pharaoh's Gift deck, there was the Angel of Invention. That's also fairly castable. So that is three white white for a 2-1 Flying Vigilance lifelink with Fabricate 2. So when it enters the battlefield, you either choose to get servos, two servos, or uh, you put two plus one plus one counters on it. It also has the ability other creatures you control get plus one plus one. So there's quite a number of options for brewing in this deck. And the question is just uh, which direction you want to tweak the numbers. We're a little bit light on removal right now, but then we're also light on payoffs. So definitely a balancing act. Yeah, I like what you're saying about why not let Portal to Phyrexia be your removal. Because you've already got the portable holes, you've got a glass casket, you can play more glass caskets if you need them. I've actually found it to be quite a good card right now. So there, there's definitely options for artifact-based removal, especially if Portal's in the mix. But yeah, then you're leaning hard on refurbish, and I don't know how reliable that is. Yeah. I suspect that you're going to find when you play this that you never kill anyone with just regular creatures. And if that's the case, Ingenious Smith and Rafine's Informant are actually not as important as they might seem. I think you have to go over the top somehow. So if there's another card that helps you build the engine better, like let's look for that. Right. And the recommissions actually may end up being a bit of a. Um... A mislead like it seems like a powerful interaction mm. but the only card it actually works with powerfully is the dragon engine and the dragon engine may not even be worth playing we don't know that yet right um it's a pretty good payoff with god pharaoh statue it's not particularly exciting with portal to phyrexia although it will trigger in that case so uh food for thought with this deck and definitely a lot of different um options with how you could build it speaking of food Maybe we should jump to Modern, take a look at some Scrapwork Mutt, see what the Mutt's been up to in the people's format. So talking about food, this is one of the first decks we discussed in the new Modern post, post um, New Dominaria, and this was Spike's list that got a lot of results. Seems like it was maybe flavor of the day because it has slowly started to pop down, but we have two Dominaria All-Stars popping in this deck list. One is Dan's best card of the set, and there is Dan's best card in the whole MTG. <laughs> <laughs> we have both Scrapwork Mart and Sarin's Steel Seeker. Two mana, one, two, whenever an artifact enters the battlefield, you can look at the top card, you can either draw it if it's a, if it's a land, or you may put it in your graveyard. 
Amazingly, the Saren Steelseeker triggers off tokens as well. Yep. And this deck really takes advantage of that with Underworld Cookbook. And not once per turn. Yeah, not once per turn. Doesn't care if it's a token or not. So you can keep triggering the Steelseeker many, many times. And Underworld Cookbook is the perfect way to do that. So in many respects, it's just a classic food shell. Asmo Cookbook's four Finalia Devastations. So we're really trying to get Asmo in play. Four Oval Chase Daredevil. Asperushal right now in every single red deck. Why wouldn't you play Fable? Yeah, so the change is that the secondary color has become red, whereas before maybe it would be black, I suppose. But now in red, you have Renin 6, you have Fable and Mirror Breaker, and these work great with all your discard outlets. So you see that Scrapwork Mud has stuff to do, but I think the last time we talked about this deck, I expressed some surprise that the Mud had earned so many slots on the deck when it doesn't seem to do that much. So I think it does more than it appears. Not only is the only way you have without a cookbook. So when you play against this deck, when you're playing a mid-range deck, your only focus is getting rid of cookbooks, right? You destroy the cookbooks, you get rid of most of the engines this deck has. And that's where Matt makes its best impersonation of a two-trigger cookbook. It's not a great impersonation, but it allows you to get your Trollkings into the graveyard, it gives you a discard for your Asmo, it gives you your Silent Steel Secret triggers twice. So it allows you to develop a game plan in that regard pretty efficiently, while also netting you four card advantage with Brennan 6 if you discard lands. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And indeed, the many results that have been put up with this deck continue to play usually three copies of the Mutt, so it, it must be doing something good. Yeah, I'm looking at the last deck list, and they also have three, so it's not like just Spike being insane and in love with the card, it seems it's actually good. Alright, so that's Asmo Food. Another list that is not really a Mutt deck, but it is playing one copy of Mutt. Hmm. The player is Selfasek, a long-time Mardu Pyromancer champion back in the day, who's shifted to other decks like Rixus Shadow. I started messing around with Black Red Reanimator using some like weirder cards. Notably, Selfiesec is playing four copies of Bitter Reunion, Zach's most impactful card from the Brothers War. <laughs> the prediction continues to be true. Trying to discard Archons and persist them. I mean, so that's nothing new. The new part is that this list is trying to fill the graveyard with small creatures. So four dragons raise channelers to surveil things away. Three Citrus Suppliers, three Seasoned Pyromancers. So we're really trying to get on the board with random stuff and then incidentally find our cons at some point and get them back. If this is the game plan, you can see how Scrapbrook Mutt does a little bit of what you're looking for. So one of Selfie Sex's recent 5-0s, they were playing one copy of the Mutt. And I wonder if this is the kind of deck where you could even feature the Mutt more. Like it gives you more delirium for your Dragon's Race Channelers. It's an extra body for the village rights, of which they're playing one copy. Uh, there's also a diabolic intent here. Again, Scrapwork is happy to be fed to those effects. Hmm. But it might be a case where, okay, it does a little bit of all these things you want, but it might not be efficient enough. I'm not sure. Yeah, I would, I would think Bitter Reunion is doing most of what it, you'd want to do with that card, but considerably better, right? Yeah, but you can't run five reunions. Also, let's not focus intensively on the fact it's only one mat because this deck has one mat, one goblin dunk dwellers, one cling, one th one thoughtsis, one inquisition, one village rights, one diabolic intent, one brotherhood's end, and one blood moon. So you have your one of tutor to top deck your one of tutor. That's nice. 
And there's also two also, unholy sideboard. <laughs> two unholy heats. Worth adding, the sideboard is 14 one-offs and two pithing needles, because of course, how dare you play only one pithing needle? <laughs> what is this sideboard? What is this anything? But like, it works. It, it's, Why is it's it just... playing one-off shower of doubt? It hurts me. No, it's just so that when he 5-0'd and then people saw the list who lost to him and they lost to any one of these cards, they went, wow, they really uh, got me. That's the worst. Losing to someone you know is playing a one-off is just psychologically devastating. All right, so that's about it for Scrapwork Mutt so far in Modern. However, there is another style of deck that I think should or could or would, but probably should, at least test the mutt, because I think it would be an upgrade to the strategy. And I'm talking about Vengevine decks, of which there's like three or four flavors, none of them close to tier one or two right now, but they're fun. I actually ran into a mono blue, quote unquote, Vengevine deck uh, recently, Dan, which I feel like you would be interested in knowing the existence of. Oh my gosh. It was Emery and yes, Memnite. tell me about and it. And it was, it was insanity. Uh, I just know that I died and I was really, really surprised. What? Yeah. So keep your eyes out for a 5-0 with it because it seemed pretty impressive. I mean, what's the rest of the deck? Besides Emery's and Memnites. Uh, there's Vengevines. There, I, I, I can go and, and uh, look at my replay and I can probably tell you 80% of their deck because they all they milled it all over. Uh, there were definitely crabs. Uh, I'll, I'll look into it while we talk about the uh, actual successful versions of Vengevine thus far. <laughs> okay, well, let's start with Jund. The boring Jund Vengevine. More, tell us about this deck. So this is the... The famous and legendary Fair Benchvine. That it's so fair it plays Umori the Collector. When it's Umori the Collector, you know something slightly degenerate but not that degenerate is about to happen. So to start with, we have four beautiful Blazing Root Wallas, four Carrion Feeder, four Ignoble Hierarch, and four Stitcher Supplier. All in all, we have till this moment mentioned one playable card, and we're going to continue to mention only one playable card for a while. For Lowless Troll, for Rick's Maddy Reveler, for Sailor Finder, and to top it off, for Grief, for Benchmine, and two Oxofagonas, alongside the best creature in between a million quotes, a playset of Grace the Hunger Tide. Just out of curiosity, more, what was the playable card <laughs> in all of the cards you just mentioned? So, did I reach Grief? Only Noble Kyrak, and Burly. I see, okay. Yeah, it's an 18 land deck that's also playing four Ignoble Hierarchs, four Setter Wayfinders. So it's somehow acknowledging that, yes, you, you do have to hit your land drops, but you really can't afford to play more lands. <laughs> so it's a very strange, strange list. I, I, I kind of hate constructions like this, but the pilot Draxinator has 5-0'd like three or four times with essentially the same list. I mean, it must have some insane starts, like turn one in Noble, turn two, Stitcher, Mila Benchmine, Rick's, and Rick's Mighty, discard a Leyland, Stitcher, hit another. I don't know, there has to be like a lot of weird stuff you can do. All right, so do you agree or disagree that this deck, <laughs> whether it's playable or not, would benefit from Scrapwork Mutt, let's say, instead of Rick's Money Reveler? Yeah, I think it's better. I just don't see a universe where you're... 18 land deck is consistently spectacling Rick's Mighty Reveler. 
Especially when a lot of the time you wanna cast you want the trigger pre-combat for Benchmine and such. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Like match just feels a lot better. Now Rick's Mighty Reveler does draw a card even if you're empty-handed, so that that's something. But yeah. and it doesn't have flashback, or sorry, it doesn't have unearth. Yeah, it's not a good thing to meal. It's not something you can discard your lowless troll to make it grow and then unearth. It's not something you can get. So I think when you're playing this sort of deck that self-mill a lot randomly, you're playing four Savior and four um, Stitchers and four Grist. So you have 12 cards that just randomly mill you cards. The more advantage you can get from cards in your graveyard, the better. And having stuff like Carrion Feeder and when you unearth the mat, you actually get something extra from the cast because from the trigger because you get the unearth, you get the discard trigger, the two one with haste, and a counter on the end step. All those minor synergies start to add up, especially in, in fast aggro decks. Much as it pains me to sleeve up Umori the Collector, I, I do think I have to try this, just to put the theory to the test. You just, you, you just have a primal desire to put four three binds into play attacking. I do. I really do. I don't comprehend your desire for it, but I can I can understand it. Right? I don't feel it, but I can comprehend it. It's a legitimate strategy, Mord, alright? I don't know what you're doing with goblins, and I don't ask, alright? It's a legitimate strategy! You know that's a meme, right? Of course I do. That phrase. I, I know exactly where it's from. I watched that show when it came out. To your question, Mord, if you're actually asking earnestly... <laughs> Vengevine is such an adrenaline rush in a way that other degenerate stuff really isn't. Like, a lot of the de degenerate graveyard stuff is kind of like, is eh, nerdily assembling this or that little combo piece or something. Vengevine is different. It feels like it's really exploding onto the battlefield, and it even looks like it, right? Yeah, it's explosive. It's just like a plant just jumping out at you, and it goes straight into the red zone, which is kind of like returning phoenixes with haste. Yeah. But even easier. Benchmine is the original Phoenix. I will I will agree with that. Also, is Benchmine the less elemental like elemental? Like if you ask me what is Benchmine, I would never say elemental. Oh, it's not a plant? Nope. Just an elemental. Yeah, just elemental. Like I wouldn't guess that. No, it, I would have guessed maybe just with the plant. Art a little bit. Yeah, it was like a plant or zombie or incarnation. I have a lot of things before Elemental. <laughs> so the other home for Vengevine, the one that I've got more experience with myself, is some kind of red-based Vengevine deck. Often you'll combine Vengevine and Hollow One. You're trying to put the Vengevines in the graveyard, and in the red colors that usually means putting it into your hand first, having them draw and discard effects. When you start loading up on effects like Burning Inquiry, like Goblin Lore, you find yourself having enough to incidentally support hollow ones in, in addition to your Venge Vine. So we call this hollow vine, but it's not really a real deck, right? It hasn't, nobody's like 5 0 with us regularly. Every once in a while you'll see this. Other cards you might see in this package. Well, Asmo and Cookbook both do what you want within the red colors. Insolent Neonates, while a weak card by itself, plays very nicely with Venge Vine. You know, you cast it, that's your first creature. Sack it to discard the Vengevine, then just cast something else. You're good to go. Blazing Ritwalla for the same reasons. Blazing Ritwalla and Oxavagonus, they work so wonderfully with Vengevine, right? They cast pretty cheaply. They cast from the graveyard or on their way to the graveyard. 
Uh, even Fury here contributes to the Vengevine, two copies of Fury. So I'm looking at two different versions of this red base hollow vine list. You can either just go straight red, or you can splash into blue, which I like to do, just to get Hedron Crabs. <laughs> yeah, I think the crab is worth like crab when I face that deck, the crab starts out of the most scary one, and they force you to keep like fair removal. Like you need to keep your pushes or such just to not get crushed by a crab. Yeah, it's definitely the most dangerous card in the deck. So weaker cards in the deck I found to be Insolent Neonates, um, Flame Blade Adept. Some people play all four copies, some play none. If you're splashing for blue with Hedron Crab, you, you might uh, be playing the crabs instead of the Flame Blade Adepts. There was even a version that was playing Urborg Lurgoyf. <laughs> I'm not even sure what that does. It's one in a green. You can kick it for a blue to mill three cards when you cast it, and it has... <laughs> Power and toughness equal to. Let me read this. Is it the creatures in your graveyard? Yeah, right. Thank you. Yeah. Creatures, yes. <laughs> power and toughness equal to the creatures in your graveyard plus one toughness, of course. I don't think that's particularly powerful. Basically, in either of these shells, you just pick the most suspect, weakest cards and see if Scrapwork Mutt is better than them. And I suspect that it is. So, Sack has just graced us with a picture of Senowan's mono blue benchline. Yeah, I'm, I'm, sleuth I'm sleuthing for you, Dan. I'm sleuthing. Okay. I got the replay from game two here, although it didn't add any extra information. So It's worth saying Senowan has some insane bros under his belt, like the original Micromancer and such, so it's not surprised to see this player. But we have the usual suspects, Lecher Schroeder, Emery, Riddlesmith, the Crabs, and then cards like Bait Hook Angler. Oh my god. Wow. This is the blue Ox of Agonis. <laughs> Wait, is it, what? Is it really, though? <laughs> what? Anyway, but... but the, well, the... you need a creature that you can cast from the graveyard for two mana, and Ox of Agonis does that, Bait Hook Angler does that. In that same line, in that same line, Opt is Pioneer's Ancestral Recall. Yes. <laughs> it's the exact same line of reasoning. I would say the real star player here actually is Riddlesmith. For those who don't remember this, it's one in a blue for a 2-1 human artificer, I believe. Uh, whenever you cast an artifact spell, you go draw discard. That, I believe, if I had to guess, that is probably where this deck came from. Um, and you get a rule of eight with Ledger Shredder. So both those cards come down on turn two. They get paid off from you immediately being able to cast a Memnite, uh, Mishra's Bauble, or Ornithopter. Um, and then you get to a, a pretty reasonable way to rummage Vengevines into your graveyard. Yeah, and you have so many. You have four Memnites, four Mishra's Bauble for your zero mana artifacts. So there's a soft green splash as well, right? Yeah, there's a Haywire Mite. Because I see a Haywire Mite. And you can also cast... Your Vengevines, and there's Springleaf Drums, and uh, then you also have uh, some number of copies of Emery, and uh, some number of copies of... There was another card I wanted to point out. Oh, uh, Urza Saga. Urza Saga. Oh, there's a place of Saga. And there's like at least one Ornithopter, and gonna guess three, or like seven zero mana creatures, so like 11 zero mana right. artifacts. That, this is your egg. The, the point is... Yeah, and you have to play this. I think we know every card in the main deck, if not necessarily the numbers. So uh, I leave it yeah. to Dan to reconstruct this, reverse engineer this, as it were, uh, if he's interested. 
Well, maybe this deck should play Scrap Work Mutt. It's not Artifact for your Emery's. It is, or Combat Courier. Uh, and I think, by the way, the most important thing about Baithook Angler and uh, the uh, me- the Disturb mechanic is that is casting a spell. Um, so where Scrapwork Mutt and Combat Courier are going to fail you is that's not going to trigger Venge Vines. Yes. And if you just picked up Crab Vine for the first time, you may not realize that with when you try to unearth the Rotting Rats and are surprised when your Venge Vines don't come back that turn. It's because yeah, unearthing is not casting. Baithook Angler Disturb is casting, Ox of Agonis is casting, and that's why Baithook Angler is the blue Ox of Agonis. I rest my case. Got it, got it. Makes a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> that said, uh, this was a tangent from our talking about the actual card Scrapwork Mutt, just one that I thought that Dan would intensely enjoy as we were on the subject of Crabvine. No, this is perfect. I mean, I'm always looking for new Vengevine decks, and this one happens to be another one where, hey, let's just jam the Mutt in here and see what happens. That's the solution to everything. I'm also, uh, I'm an Urza Saga enthusiast, and uh, and I'm always enticed by uh, Dan's passion about Vengevine, so maybe this is even the deck that gets me to try it out. Finally, you're going to get the Vengevine fever. Probably not, <laughs> but, you know. <clears throat> I'm not a Vengevine sort of guy. I'm too value-oriented to discard cards for just get a 4-3 attacking. Agreed. Drawing cards is strictly superior to drawing and discarding. 100%. Why would you discard? Right. Exactly. The only, thing, the only thing better than drawing a card is putting them into your hand. <laughs> because then Narset can't stop your fun. Or strictly better recent Reef that even gets it in the graveyard. That it gets it straight into play. Just more value. Alright, well that's a bunch of concepts in both Pioneer and Modern for a relatively unassuming card in Scrapwork Mutt. How are you guys feeling about it based on what we've seen so far? Which of these look the most promising to you, or what do you think are the best avenues to explore? Hmm. So I think right now the best shell format in modern is actually the Gruul Asmo list, but not because I think Matt shines in there, but because it's the strongest shell where it's a good support role player, right? Like if you want to play Matt, you're going to get the most wins out of that deck list, I think. It's also the deck list that's asking Mutt to do the least, right? It's just allowing Mutt to be a supporting role player some of the time. Yeah, it has Mutt as a pretty good support player, fulfilling copies 5 to 7 of the best card in the deck, which is the Kukuk. Or copies 9 through 11, I suppose, because Finale Devastation is your other yeah. main source. Oh, Urza Saga also. So copies... 13 to 15. <laughs> but you want as many cookbooks as you can get. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. For me, I'm really interested in the Pioneer format, the Boros Recommission deck, uh, figuring out what that deck wants to be playing and then playing it. Uh, and also the, the blue-red uh, artifact pile. Um, that is a deck list that I've been burning a lot of tickets on, and I keep feeling like it has some place in the format. Uh, and so far, it has not rewarded me at all. So... Maybe Scrapwork Mutt will be the card that helps me get there. Uh, but the Recommission deck on the flip side uh, does seem to be playing uh, just a lot of powerful cards and, and two or three card synergies. Uh, is it going to be better than Grease Fang? Probably not, but here's to finding out. And both of those lists, they're extremely innovative, mm. right? Yeah. And we haven't really seen decks like this. So I'm hoping that one of them works out for you, Zach. I really am. I keep trying to swear off the Pioneer format, and then I keep looking at decks like this and going, 
well, if this works, maybe it's fun. <laughs> There's no guarantee that it will work. Either. No, I, I completely Play agree at your with own you. Risk. Um, when we were looking for innovations in the last week, I kept looking at the leagues and the challenges for Pioneer, and I was like, nope, nothing to see here. Just the same five or six deck lists just doing their thing. Yeah. So for me, it's the Black Red Madness and Pioneer. Mm. Madness and Shrapnel Blast. I mean, these are cars that we've been around so long that we've just come to accept that they're going to be disappointments and that they're not good enough. But maybe the problem was the enablers. You know, maybe this the whole time, maybe they have still been powerful. We just didn't have the tools. So damn it, let's just try again. I mean, Fairy Temper with any discard outlet is an insanely powerful card, right? Like a one mana vault that draws you a card yeah. is something insanely yeah. powerful. Maybe this is the shell for it to finally shine. Yeah, keep keep talking me into burning these tickets. Do it. Do it. Do it. I'm here for you guys to burn tickets. So we'll probably just cut the Falcon Wrath Gorgers and put in any other card. <laughs> <laughs> but the rest of the deck, I think, is sweet. And then, of course, I will have to try a modern Vengevine list. So. And to close up something really super short, Mr. Webb just won the Pioneer Challenge with creativity. Nice. Oh, hey. He's been working on yeah. that for a while. Ten minutes ago. Yeah, exactly. Shoutouts to Mr. Rib. Proud member of the Faithless Brewing Discord. Exactly. Hope to see Matt shine a, a tiny bit. All right. So I think that will do it for us for today. We will be back on Friday with our first crack at Rivaz of the Claw. And, of course, we'll be testing these lists with Scrapwork Mutt, keeping an eye on any developments, and we'll let you all know how that turns out. Bye-bye. See ya.